Hey everybody, welcome back to X with Q, a 10-minute podcast to help you lead healthy from ministry to the marketplace. Hey, just a reminder, we post new episodes every Monday morning, dropping at 5 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to tap that subscribe button and turn on your notifications, and you will be reminded each time there's an episode that's released. Thanks again to all of you who've left the rating and review and shared on social media. It means the world and helps us spread the word about our show. Now, you're going to love this week's extended cut from our conversation with Todd Hopkins. Todd Hopkins is the founder and CEO of Office Pride Commercial Cleaning Services, an award-winning janitorial franchising company and one of the most respected brands in the industry. Office Pride has its headquarters in Palm Harbor with nearly 150 franchise locations in 24 states and always growing. And Todd is an international best-selling author of four different books, including his most recent Stop Using the B Word, How to Overcome Distractions by Replacing Busy with Productive. And in this episode, we talk all about how to communicate vision and keep calm in crisis and live a distraction-free life full of focus, priority, and purpose. Seriously, though, you're going to want to sit down and take notes because this episode is chock full of wisdom. We hope you enjoy. Take a listen. Hey everybody, welcome to X with Q, a 10-minute podcast to help Ten you minutes lead healthy powerful from ministry to the marketplace. And as always, I'm here with Pastor Mark Q, <laughs> and we got guest. an extended cut today Extended cut. a special guest. Extended cut, because we have a very special guest. My friend, a colleague, a great <laughs> leader, a wonderful man. Todd Hopkins. Todd Hopkins. Todd, Todd Hopkins. Hopkins is the CEO of Office Pride Commercial Cleaning Services, which is an award-winning janitorial yeah. franchising company. One of the most yep. respected franchises in the industry. Absolutely right. Headquartered mm-hmm. right here, Palm Harbor, Florida, Palm right Harbor, in the Tampa Florida. Bay area. Who would have thought? And he is a best-selling author uh, in his most recent book, Stop Using the B-Word. Whoa. Which See, I immediately, when I think of B-Word, I immediately think one thing. My wife hates that title. <laughs> Listen, B word, Brooklyn. Oh, that's Brooklyn. what I think of right away, okay. Brooklyn. So I immediately, I immediately gravitate towards the book. hundred percent. Immediately. 100%. So Todd Hopkins, we are so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Hey, let's jump so right in. One thing yeah. that I didn't realize, and I maybe I should have, because we're actually, aside from, you know what I mean, loving leadership, you know what I mean, and loving propelling people forward to who God created them to be, I forgot for 140, is it, or is it more now, 140 franchises? Yeah, yeah, almost one fifty. Almost yeah. one hundred and fifty franchises mm-hmm. nationwide. That's absolutely amazing. Yep. That's why I'm so excited for you to be here because I know mm-hmm. that with all of the growth that the company has gone through mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning until now, and then adding franchises and having to vet the right people, you know, to kind of take on the the mark of who Office Pride is and what they stand for. There's got to be some leadership gold <laughs> about, you know, picking the right people and multiplying yourself. So I'm really excited for you to be here. It's, it's going to be awesome. Hey, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's go. Let's yeah. see what's, what's going to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think, you know, you look at the success of Office Pride today and you see all those franchises and, you know, the, the awards and the respect that it has in the industry. And it, it's easy to sort of say, wow, like, look at that 
had success. But I think one of the most interesting parts of your story is that it began actually with a college project. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and how leaders can leverage opportunities like that to move towards their goals and success? Mm. Well, uh, it was a college research paper for sure. Uh, I, I would say... Where'd you go to school? Where was that? So that was Sorry. at Butler University. So I was wow. doing an MBA program at okay. Butler. Right. And so my last class, I, I noticed you could get three credits for doing an independent research <laughs> study. I and it. I was kind of tired of going to class. So right. I I, uh, I went and uh, made a proposal that I'd like to do an independent research paper on franchising in the janitorial industry. Mm. And they approved it. Mm. So I ended up getting three uh, credits. And yes, Got an A on the paper, and, <laughs> yeah. and then now, I just you, launched the business. What made you pick janitorial and not, let's say, like a pizzeria? <laughs> well, interesting. Uh, just before that, we had an entrepreneurship class. We had a visiting professor from Harvard for a semester, and we all had to create our own business. And I had this woodworking kind of business, but there was a lady in my class had a janitorial company. And she had started it and, and ended up failing. But as I'm listening to her and I'm thinking, you know, there's ways I would do that differently and I could see. And I didn't have any money and it was a low startup. So I decided to do my research sure. on the janitorial industry wow. and end up uh, starting the business. So right after you presented the paper, and I think the important thing is we did get the three credits. Got That's the three very, credits, graduated. But so then after you graduated, you you said, hey, I'm actually going to try this. I'm actually going to do this. Well, and uh, yes, but actually I was committed to it. So like the try word, I, I just, right. like I always teach our people, don't let's don't ever say we're going to try. Let's mm. just say we'll do it. Because customers, they don't like the try word. Wow. You know, wow. when you, they hire you to take care of their building or they've got VIPs coming in and you right. say, well, we're going to try to keep it clean. Uh, they go, well, does that mean they are or not? So, right. so, uh, but yeah, I was committed to it from the beginning. And, and Brad, back to your question, I think, I think we, instead of leverage opportunity, we leverage like the uh, God-given capabilities and strengths mm. that he's put in us wow. okay. to pursue the opportunity he has for us. Sure. Right. That sure. makes sense. Absolutely. So, like does, I had yeah. passion, I had the desire, yeah, I wanted draw. to you achieve great work grow ethic, something right. and all that. And, and and so uh, I think our key as a leader is to identify those strengths and capabilities, not just in ourselves but our team, mm. leverage those to pursue the opportunities that God's given us. Right. Yeah. So what you're saying is, if you have, if you're you, to leverage your passion, a passionate person, mm-hmm. well, leverage that passion because what will happen is opportunities are going to come that are going to accentuate or bring your passion to the surface. Yeah, That's so, what I heard you say. Yeah. And when we build our team, we have to hire people that already have passion. Right. They've got passion for something. Right. Mm. Right. So uh, one of my mentors says, you know, hire pe- people that have batteries included, that right. don't have to be motivated. Right. They right. have passion. We just got to present them with the opportunity and teach them how to execute. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm actually curious, you know, as you began to grow the business and it began to scale how did you sort of keep that vision from leaking, you know, uh, on on down the line? It's one thing to, okay, right, you right. have the things that you have control over. Mm-hmm. But as you begin to delegate and now you're raising up franchisees and now there's there's 24 different states and there's managers and there's people over regions and all these different things. How do you keep that vision and alignment tight throughout the organization? What were some of those maybe early challenges right. that you experienced as you began to scale? Yeah, yeah. Well, one, you got to know what your vision is, and then you uh, be able to uh, communicate that 
in as few words as possible and repeat it often. Mm-hmm. So when you're growing a business, there's a lot of windshield time. I mean, there's people I was out right. uh, cleaning buildings with and doing yeah. floor work all right. night. You know, I just start talking right. about the vision over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. And then people would just jump on board. Right. They were excited, but they're not going to follow a leader if the leader's not clear where the, where he's going, mm. right? Sure. So my job was to be passionate, was to be clear. This is the vision. This is what we're creating, and others just bought in. So wow. God really blessed me with good people right. every step of the way. Did you find it hard when you're, you know, when you're first, and I'm sure you remember, what was your first franchise? Number one, franchise number one, which one was it? Yeah, so it was a customer. So we were cleaning the major Taylor Velodrome in Indianapolis, <laughs> and they had the uh, uh, Saturday Night uh, Thunder, which were the right. go-kart racing. Right. So it was professional ESPN-type show. And and so after the goat carts raced on the uh, bicycle track, we would go and clean that whole facility and stay up all night long, all these little shreds of rubber, and we had to clean everything up. And so while the goat carts were race, racing, I would sit in the office right. and the general manager of the Major Taylor Velodrome, and I was <laughs> casting my vision that I want to franchise and I want to do this and this. And, I, you know, we were talking, and then one day, it was, these are Saturday nights. Sure, sure. Then out of the blue, he says, well, when you get registered to do that, my wife and I want to buy the first one. Are you kidding me? And so it was just mm-hmm. me sharing what I would, my dream. Right. Never even thought him and his wife would be interested because he mm-hmm. was the general manager of the Major Taylor Velodrome. Right, right. Sure. But he wanted to own his own business. They, they had a dream. Yeah. And so that's interesting. We can achieve our dreams by helping other people absolutely. achieve theirs. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what's fun about and it. And I think what people need to remember, too, is we hear the word or the title, you know, office pride. Mm-hmm. And so immediately you think, you know, 25-story building and everybody's gone after 6 o'clock p.m. And, you know, you go in and clean it. But office pride also cleans, from a commercial standpoint, a lot of other facilities sure. other than offices, true? Yeah, 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 anything that's commercial. So, But the office buildings are the norm, but manufacturing facilities, right. medical facilities, hmm. right. universities, schools, uh, banks, sure. anything commercial. Right. So hmm. we, you know, that's our bread yeah. and butter yeah. and of all sizes, really. Right. What I would love to know is, I mean, obviously we're post-pandemic, we're post-COVID right now. How did you as a leader navigate <laughs> A company, I mean, a nationwide, <laughs> right? Or nationwide, where company. all the offices that you're servicing are shut down. <laughs> they're shut down, so they're not dirty anymore. You know, how did you navigate those franchisees to remain healthy, committed, and and almost passionate, like we're talking about, passionate about the vision of what they were doing? Yeah, so it was important to get in front of that early, right? I happened to be, I was the president of our our industry's trade association wow. in 2020 during right. the COVID year. So I was uh, front and center getting information early uh, uh, before most people were because right. we were trying to navigate it as an industry too, not just office products. Sure. And then I immediately could take all that to our franchisees. So I was sending out three, four-minute videos in a text message to them. Here's the latest because there was so much information. You didn't know how to yeah, we would get dissect it, waves what to focus on. And the CDC was always coming out with something different. So we would teach them what – how to do that, and here's what to do, and wow. here's how to find the supplies. And we were at the top of the supply chain, so we, that was able to help them. Hmm. But everybody had to get real resourceful. But the message over and over and over again was reminding them that we have a lot to be thankful for and that gratitude is the fuel for forward progress and that we're part of the solution. Hmm. Right. So 
I mean, in the cleaning industry, we were part of the solution. You know, we were a central part of this whole thing. Exactly right. And so uh, the franchisees stay focused. And then as buildings were shutting, some buildings shut down, but there were other other buildings that needed more cleaning Mm. and disinfecting and all this. Mm. So the message was constantly, let's keep our people working. Right. Right, shift them from there to to this building. Right, and so as long as we could keep everybody working, we wouldn't lose anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what the franchisees did, and and they, you know, had a had a good yeah. Year. And it sounds like what you did was you you made sure their perspective was healthy yeah. as a franchisee and and as a leader. You know, instead of it if, instead of it being like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna be? What are we gonna do? No, we're essential. You know, and where we are the solution for whatever it is, sanitization or or hey, we're gonna keep working. It sounds like that's what you did is was was keep their perspective healthy, but then also say this is a great opportunity, mm-hmm. meaning the COVID, although horrible and terrible, sure, but it was also an opportunity for us to thrive if we really look at it the right way. Yeah, I, I really focused on being part of the solution and trying to help people. Love that. And yep. and never really focused on trying to use it to thrive. Right. But I did want to make sure that the franchisees know, hey, you're needed out there. Right. So let's deliver. Yeah. Let's take care of our right. customers. That's amazing. And, right, I love that. And uh, so we didn't yep. go chasing stuff. Hmm. So, for example, there are some companies that quit serving routine customers to chase maybe some of the, the things the, that – that, that COVID they were trying presented, to take advantage right. sure, of. Sure. We didn't do that. We just said, let's focus on our customers. Let's make sure they got their needs met. Let's take care of our employees, meet right. their needs. And when all this is said and done, we have a stronger wow. company and a more right. valuable culture. Right. So we never really saw it as an opportunity to leverage as much as a role to play. I love that. Right. And a role in a, as, a, as a leader, I think it's it's important for us to remember one of the things that we bring to the table as leaders is, listen, we don't need to elevate or turn the volume up necessarily on problems. Let's turn the volume up on being an example and a solution. That's yeah. what I'm hearing you say for Office Pride. Yeah, you know? and to help them know who to listen to. Sure. So sure. we were just trying to keep, help control the narrative and keep the positive message in front right. of them and what our role is. And add clarity to them. They can watch the video, right. and they can go. How off often and make were it you communicating to them? I was sending those videos out about twice a week. Wow! Uh, and now we had, that's that's a that's more than normal. True. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. you specifically pivoted mm. and created a communication method. We weren't doing this mm. before, right. but twice a week now you're talking to mm. your people to keep the what Brad was saying that DNA, yeah, you know, in the purpose and the passion and why we do what we do. So you pivoted as a leader and went, hey, my people, my franchisees need to hear from me more. Right, right. They need to see I'm in the office. This is what it looks yeah. like. Uh, so we're good. we're in your corner. We didn't yeah. lay anybody off. A lot of franchisees, yeah. a lot of companies, yeah. uh, they were cutting staff mm. when their franchisees actually needed them the most. And so they were panicking, and we didn't uh, cut staff. You know, we actually added people. We picked up a couple Did of good really? people during right. that time because the franchisees needed support more than ever. Right. That built their confidence. Their, their satisfaction level yeah. went up higher than ever, according to surveys. That's amazing. And so, I think that's what people need is that sense of confidence and security from their leader. I think anytime mm-hmm. you're communicating on a more frequent basis, right, right. it's when there's a lack of communication, it begins to breed insecurity, you know, among yeah. um, among employees, yeah. staff. And and leader's job is bring calm to the storm. Yep. So, you know, I right. call it calm in, yep. calm in crisis, confident in Christ. Well, that's right. your thing. I mean, that is one of the things I know about you, not only personally, spiritually, but also professionally. You really 
place a high value on in the midst of the craziness in the atmosphere, a leader needs to, one of the attributes, a, a healthy leader, calm, a yeah. calming, you you have that calming nature anyway. Yeah. I'm kind of a hype, like, ah, let's go. And, and you're always, when we're together, you're like, hey, so how are you doing? And I'm like, what? I'm like, <laughs> on the outside, <laughs> you know, but sometimes on the yeah. inside, it, it's it's more challenging. But, right, right. but on the outside, I mean, if we're, we're panicking, they're panicking, right? They're yeah. looking to the leader right. to provide some calmness. Mm. But, I mean... I think the key with the experience, I mean, my trust is in the Lord, right? I mean, yeah, exactly so right. Yeah. I, I had confidence in that. Yeah, and sometimes cool. that panic is often related to pace. And, you know, and so I want to talk a little bit about your book and mm-hmm. your new book just came out. Stop using the B word. <laughs> and I, I think there's a lot of great keys here and <laughs> right. we can spend quite a, quite a bit of time. But first of all, what is the B word, and why did you feel like you needed to write this book now? Get this right. message out right now, and l- l- so let's clarify. What is the what, what is, is the, the B, B word, word for because, all of our listeners who have yeah. who are or where you know, I come from <laughs> yeah, who, are, right. who are substituting <laughs> the B word for something else other than what <laughs> Mr. Todd wrote about? You know what I mean? But what is that? Yeah. So the B word's busy, and right. so the idea is, uh, I mean, the, the the word busy just drives me crazy. I, I think. Uh, the reason why it's important to get this out now, mm. I mean, all I do mainly in my career is I help people start and grow businesses, right? right? And so I'm looking, why are some people successful and why are others not? Well, the successful people, they're disciplined to do what's required to succeed. Mm. And when they don't do those things, you'd ask the question, why? And they would say, I'm just too busy. And I wow. just... Yeah. It's like busyness is the villain. It's the excuse to not get the things done that you know you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I now, in reality, I also believe unwillingness is the Ultimately, true villain, the sure. ultimate villain, in that we're unwilling to do what's required right. to be successful. Therefore, we look for things to keep us busy. Mm. And then we can blame busyness. Is the reason why we didn't do it. Wow. I think that's the Say common, that again. Wait, wait. Say that the, again because our listeners are like, wait a second. What just happened? Say it yeah, again. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to take because you know, there's people that are probably busy who are listening. But <laughs> but uh, right. but I here's what I believe, and this is my observation in business, okay, right. is that I see you have successful people and you have unsuccessful people. Successful people do what's required to succeed. And you see it in uh, professional sports. Sure, sure. Right? They do what's required to succeed. Unsuccessful people ultimately don't do what's required to succeed. Why? They often say, well, I had this going on. I had this going on. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't work out. I couldn't do whatever. I couldn't study. I couldn't learn. I couldn't go to the seminar. I was always too busy. And I think what happens is ultimately it's not busyness. It's unwillingness to do what's required so they look for things. We subconsciously look for things to keep us busy because we're really unwilling to do what's required to succeed. Right. And that way we can blame the busyness. Mm. Right. Very few people is going to ever say, I'm just unwilling. Mm. But they'll right. say I'm busy. Exactly right. If if you're if I'm a fr- if I'm looking to have a franchise in Office Pride, and you're 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 the guy who ultimately is going to sign off on whether I get the franchise. I got the money and I can I can but what are you looking for in me? Which what I would say, our listeners are going, well, what do I look for in someone I'm going to ma- be a major player or a contributor to my team? Hmm. What wow. are some of those for Todd? That's good. Well, for me, I look for somebody with a can-do attitude uh, who's not making excuses. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, this whole book is about distractions and that can become excuses, right. really. Uh, 
But what I'm not looking for is mm-hmm. somebody who thinks they know it all. Wow. Okay. So it's like I don't hire know-it-alls because I cannot get a return on a know-it-all. Because a know-it-all is never really going to be any better <laughs> than the day they were they started for me. So I want to I want to find somebody with a very raw can-do attitude. I love it. That I when love they, it. <clears throat> they come to our team, we can Great. then equip them and teach them and leverage them. Right. And then they become an all-star on our cl- clock. Sure. And that gives me the business return right. that I need, right? right. So. Um, so I want to make sure that is because that is at Todd, yeah. Todd so brilliant. They're never going to be any better than the a know it all. They have nowhere to go if They're, they already know yeah, it yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. How are they going to go? That's and they right. just suck the energy right out of you the whole time you're right. trying to exactly help them right. be better. But right. I love the way you phrased it. There's no real business return on a on an investment in a person who's a know it all. Because they don't, they're as good that day you hire them as they will be in five years. So what? They're not even growing with the organization then, right? And it's certainly not the culture that I'm trying to create. So right. my culture is one of growing and learning, perpetual growth for you know everybody involved and the businesses that are involved. Right. So, uh, and that's that's not only just business, but even spiritually. But right. but uh, so I look for people that's got that. That capability right. and that desire to learn and grow. Right. Boy, if I can hire a bunch of learners, yeah, you know that's yeah. golden. Well, maybe you'll create an organization that has 150, almost 150 franchises nationwide. <laughs> <laughs> Good, well, one of, one of the things you were uh, that you talk about quite a bit in the book that you know contributes to business is, of course, distractions. And yeah. uh, you, one of the things you talk about is that yeah. we live in a culture that is addicted to distraction, and often that. Yeah. Um, distractions can disguise themselves as priorities. Mm-hmm. So to beware of that. Yep. What is the difference? That section of the book. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what makes it hard. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and that's where we got to say, okay, now, I mean, mm. it's not obvious. Right, right. Right? Is this a distraction for me or is this a priority? Now, the shortcut way to try to separate the two is, is this helping me achieve the goals that I have or fulfill the calling God has on my life. Mm. It's, it's probably a priority or it's at least something I should be doing as opposed to a distraction. T- typically it's going to be something that's going to take us off path, mm. right? Or even cause us to go backwards. Mm. But sometimes distractions are easier. It just, you know, that's why we're addicted to it. Distractions right. are easy, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to work on something pretty hard. Used to, we could work on something for an hour or two, stay focused, get it done. Mm. Well, now, 20 minutes in, you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm going to take a break, see what's going on on social media. Yeah. Or something. Uh, right, right, almost right. everybody's getting that way where you're, right. our, our minds are becoming addicted to the right. distraction. Yep. Uh, so I think as a leader, our job is to, to really help identify what are the priorities. Mm-hmm. Some of the distractions are actually good things. They could be right. things that even inch us toward our goal. Right. And, and and we do that because it's easier than the big things that accelerate us right, right. toward achieving even exactly. bigger goals. And then I, I heard you say, too, was you have to know your goal. Yeah. What is my goal, right? I mean, what is your goal? What are you supposed to be doing? And then the it feels like what you're saying is the clearer my priorities are, the clearer my goals are, the easier it might be to identify the distractions. 100%. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, right. a, there was a... a a leader, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was Theodore Roosevelt who said, uh, "Don't complain about the things you allow." <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, "Don't complain about the things you're actually mm-hmm. allowing." That I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that. You know, which goes to the busyness. But it, you you get caught up, and that's a lot of what happens with me. I I love energy stuff, 
So I'll, I'll walk through the hallways and go, hey, man, what's up? Hey, you know what I was thinking? And I'll do like a creative, we call it hallway tackles. Mm, yeah. But I like that. It kind of energizes me. But before I know it, I spent two hours doing hallway tackles, which were great. Yeah. But they really didn't get me to what I really had to do that day or that week. Well, and, the, yeah. and, the, and I've done that too. The yeah. problem with that is not yeah. only have we allowed ourselves to get distracted, we've distracted all those guys. Oh, great point. Right? Yeah, because sure. we're the leaders and they'll feel obligated to come out and right. you know, participate exactly in that. Exactly right. And we've yeah. taken them off, off mm. course. But, right. you know, most of the, the issues, the pain we have in our life and right. our business is self-inflicted, <laughs> right? I mean, we have <laughs> to have the discipline and the willingness to do the right yeah, things. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. And and I, this is a great spot to say, <laughs> to quote my, one of my favorite quotes of all time by Dr. Henry Cloud. And he says, you are ridiculously in charge of your life. And yeah. I think that's what you're saying. You're going, sure, there's a season of our lives, you know, where we're growing, where we don't, we can't choose. I mean, we, we, our parents bring us to school or whatever, but there, it, there comes a time as adults that we can control the factors around us, but we have to discipline ourselves to do it because we are still a product of our, of our environment. And we yeah. have to look at what's around. That's what a little bit about the B word talks about is look around at what your environment really is from people to whatever it is in, in a room, mm -hmm. you know, like you were talking about that really dictates what you're going to be doing, your productivity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A couple yeah. of my favorite chapters yeah. from the book were the, the to-do list distraction and the email distraction. Yeah. I think a lot of leaders would maybe see to-do lists and emails as necessary evils. Yeah. If, and responding to other people's. So you're now we're responding to other people's priorities. Now, if we have customers and there's certain times where we're in a right. position where we have to check the email right. first thing, but, uh, and I, I have been there, but right now I'm not there. So I will wait and I have my to-do list. So here's where the to-do list can come to distraction is I, I use to-do list. I love to-do list, right, right. but but I also know on that to-do list which one's the most important. Mm -hmm. So where it can become a distraction, if we have seven things on there, we might mm -hmm. uh, feel good about getting numbers four, five, six, and seven done, mm -hmm. and we never <laughs> get number one and two done. Yeah. We just keep carrying that over, but we feel like we're doing good because we're checking things off the to-do list. Right. So to-do list itself has become a distraction instead of the goal and doing the most important thing, thing. to achieve it. Right. And so – I try to say, okay, what's my most important thing to get done today? And am I able to get that done before I uh, look at my email? Right. So, that's so you're goal. prioritizing right off the bat. Yeah, and then it's already a productive day. You know, if we got our number one thing done every single day, could you imagine get your top 300 priorities done over right. the course of a year? <laughs> wow. Uh, that's going to be pretty it's successful. Great, right, right. Yeah. When 1999, Bern Harnish taught me uh, how to prioritize. See, a lot of people want to, but they don't know how. Right. And so there was a method called the Hoshin method that he taught where you just, you put all your goals on a board, say there's five of them. Right. And the way to know which one is the most important, most people get this wrong, is to literally compare one against the other, one-on-one. Like if you could only get one done, which is most important, this goal A or goal B? Right. And then you just draw an arrow wow. to the one that's most important. If you do that on every goal on your board, right. the one with the most arrows is your priority. Uh, and it's wow. it's the most effective way to actually get honest with yourself about mm -hmm. what your true priorities are. Right. So you could do that every day with right. your to do list. You could do it for the year with your annual goals. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's what what you're saying is list them and then say which is the one each one compared to compare and then 
which one do I have to get done? And then by process of elimination, you find out what's number one. Yeah, and, and then you always have to say, if I can only do one of them, and I'm looking at these two things, then you that's really the are getting That's the key honest. phrase right there, right? Yeah. You know, if I can only do one of them. Right. I mean, that's the key phrase. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and we I, put off the number one because we think we'll do it later. Right, But if right. you ask, if I could only do one, then a lot of times the true number one was going to yeah, rise to the top. Great. And I think that this kind of thinking, this right. kind of mindset, is the difference between management and leadership. I think it's that difference between uh, getting consumed with working in the business versus stepping back and saying, I'm going to work on the business. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? How do you make that right. leap? maybe from a management mindset to a leadership mindset, yeah, yeah. moving from working simply in the business with all the daily tasks, all the things that have to happen. Yes, there's hard work, but that's the stuff that pulls at us so much, right? That yeah. busyness to saying, you know what? It's time to lead. Right. It's time to work on this thing so that we can reach our goals and that we can move forward with what we're called to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, leading a um, an, an organization is a lot more fun than, fun than running one or or uh, doing the work yourself and you can only do so much yourself right so sure. it's just it's just practical that hey if you want to scale a business you've got to invest in teaching other people or recruiting other people mm -hmm. who can help you do that mm -hmm. right you can only do so much on your own yeah. mm -hmm. and so it's very limiting uh to try to to say you want to do something and you're not recruiting a bunch of can-do people. Mm. Uh, yeah. And one of the things I've been pretty good at over the years is hiring and recruiting people that were better at me than the job that right. they were hired to do. Mm. Right. I mean, that's the key is try to hire people that are better than you. And so I'm surrounded by a whole team of people that are a lot better than I am mm. at what they're doing. Right. And because of that, we but You have scale. to be such a secure leader, though. You have to be such a confident, secure, yeah. not overbearing, not prideful, because there's a fine line. But you have to be such a really, really healthy leader to be able to bring people who you know are better than you in certain areas mm. close for the benefit of the organization. Wouldn't you think? You just got to be that Yeah, kind of but well, once you experience that, it's like there's no other way. I mean, right. you know, naturally, A players hire B players, B players hire C players. Okay. That's the, right, right. the common approach because you always want to be an edge up on whoever's reporting to you. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I've learned that the opposite is the best. I love that. Right? right? Because if I hire A plus players, I don't have to worry about them anymore. Right. They go and do something better. They got better ideas than I have. Mm -hmm. And the organization keeps growing and scaling and I can keep hiring more A plus players. Right. So it comes with experience. And so I think, you know, at some point in time there has to be Something where I say, okay, right. this is just so much better. I, why am I worried about the security issue? Right, right? sure, sure. Um, so I, I just want good quality people. Right. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love the chapter in the book as well about the negative yeah. thinking distraction and that thinking and maybe – Well, along uh, with the strength fighters, both of you are right. future guys. Right. 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 But in the book, it talks about how the future can be cannibalized in the, in the B-Word book, how the future can be cannibalized mm -hmm. because of fear. For sure, yeah. Right. Our, and so our thinking and our mindset has to be brought into alignment. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Like how does the fear of the future right. or negative right. thinking impact our productivity today? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think, first of all, the foundation should be gratitude mm. because gratitude Good. is fuel for forward progress. Mm. <clears throat> That's how we're going to achieve our bigger and better. Right. So the opposite of that is going to be negative thinking or dwelling. So a lot of times negative thinking just allows our mind to go places – 
it shouldn't go. We start dwelling on stuff. Mm. If you think about the definition of dwelling, by definition, a dwelling is a place where you stay or you live. Right, right. You're stuck. You're not moving. Right. Mm-hmm. So negative thinking is going to get us stuck and usually will put us in reverse. Yeah. So And it can kill a culture. So negative thinking is a distraction. And as a leader, if we see that negative thinking starting to brew, we have to get in front of that. Mm. Right. Right. And we have to remind people what they have to be thankful for. Right. And so we're always got to get in front of that. So negative thinking is a huge distraction for a lot of people because they just don't turn it off. Mm. They right? just kind of, right. And, and they're, and, Keeps going. and now they're not getting where they want to go. Right. So I think there's some negative thinking that can be somewhat good from if it's like a productive paranoia. In other words, if, if we're just, insightful enough to think, oh, I see something negative coming ahead, then we can get in front of that. Right. You know, so but I think the but key is what, speak, yeah. I think the key is what you said. If you if you, if you as a leader you see something negative coming, yeah. what we talked about is before was leaders being proactive and, and plotting the course. But what we're talking about, in, especially in the in the B word book, is dwelling. I think that's the uh, key word. Yeah. Is the dwelling on the negative. Yeah. And then what that does to productivity, what that does to your to future optimism mm-hmm. as a leader, and, and therefore affects your you know affects the organization, morale, the culture. Right, right. Yeah. When you, you know, say it's, that, it's not what I want in a company. Right. Yeah, when you say that, dwelling the the word that came to my mind was ruminating. Mm. It, it was like what we ruminate on over and over and over again you know, can really, really kill productivity, can really the morale, like you said, Todd, of of the organization, because, uh, you know, especially in a post-pandemic culture, you know, we were so inundated with all so much information that predominantly some factual, some politicized, but ultimately was really negative. Well, we we were eating and devouring that so much but I think that's why we have such a mental crisis. Now we have a uh, an epidemic from the pandemic of a mental crisis because we we got that thought, we saw the negativity, or we we saw the obstacle, yeah. but we ruminated on it so much. We dwelled, like you were saying, yeah. we just dwelled on it so mm-hmm. much that it really hurt us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obstacles are real, and so right. I Absolutely. think it's important for leaders to acknowledge an obstacle right. exists. But then uh, transform that obstacle into a strategy. In other words, if we acknowledge I they love exist, that. Let me, let me say that again, Todd. So you that transforming an obstacle into a strategy for what? For what purpose? To achieve the goal that to, you're wanting to, to achieve. achieve. I love so that. how can oh, what can I great. put in place now that will make this obstacle irrelevant? Mm. So right? good. So right. uh, most people, generally speaking. Even we'll try to be positive thinkers and pretend obstacle doesn't exist. Right, right. And so, like, I, I hope I don't run out of money. You know, right. well, put something in place now to try to help make sure that doesn't happen. So, right. we should we disempower obstacles by acknowledging they exist, and then we transform that into some type of strategy that actually increases the right. chances we mm-hmm. hit our goals. Right. You know, I love the way Todd said that because it's it. You know, I don't think any of us as leaders love or like or gravitate towards people that are so optimistic they actually discount the obstacle. Right. I right, right you see what I'm saying? I want to be led by a person who stares at the obstacle mm-hmm. 
and then creates the strategy yeah. so that that obstacle never happens again. That's br- top yeah. brilliant. We gain credibility when we acknowledge obstacles. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely, wow. as leaders. Yeah, That's so good. So, final thoughts. Stop using the B word. We're just so so grateful that you joined us today. Yeah. Maybe maybe just a couple of final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners. Yes. With. Well, I I think maybe a final thought could be a challenge. Uh, I love it. So I love I, it. We, I do this in the book, but yeah. just to challenge everybody to. Um, stop using the B word for 30 days. Right. right? right. I give it a try. Stop for 30, saying for 30 I'm days. Busy. I'm not going to say the word busy. And I if even it. somebody says, I bet you've been really busy, just correct mm. them politely and say, actually, yeah. I've been right. productive. Right. Yeah. So replace the word busy with the word productive right. and see what happens. Maybe love get it. somebody else to do it with you so you can hold each other accountable. Sure, mm. sure. But when people do that for 30 days, it changes their life. They become more it. productive people and they don't get into this busy trap. Man, we love that. Todd, thank you so much for being with us. You know, we'll put we'll put a, a couple of excerpts from the B Word book from Absolutely. Todd Hopkins, Absolutely. CEO, founder of Office Pride, a hundred and fi- almost hundred and fifty hmm. nationwide franchises and started yeah. with a college project. Brother, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Stop right. using the B word. Stop you can it. pick it up. Stop. You can still say Brooklyn. You can still say Brooklyn. <laughs> But the B word, busy. Stop right. using that word. Stop using the B word. You can pick it up wherever books are sold. We're going to give away a copy. How about we're that? We're going to give away. Can, we're going to give away ten copies. There you, ten copies. Ten copies. I love it. So we're going to give away ten copies if you just text X with Q to ninety seven thousand. First right. ten to text X with Q love to ninety seven thousand. We're going to give away a copy of Stop Using the B Word by Mr. Signed Todd copies Hopkins. by Todd right. Hopkins. Love Signed it. copies. All right. Yeah. See Thanks you next again time for listening. Thanks, everybody. Come on, incredible episode, right? Thank you so much again, Todd Hopkins, for joining us. And make sure that you text X with Q to 97,000. We're giving away 10 signed copies of Todd's new book, Stop Using the B Word. That's busy. (laughs) And so thanks again for listening to X with Q. If you're just joining us, we're glad that you dropped in. And just a heads up, we'll release a new episode next Monday, August 8th, and you're not going to want to miss it. Once again, if you share our podcast on social media, we'll be sure to look for it and repost it if we can. We're grateful for you and your investment and love having you as part of this growing leadership community. We'll see you next week.